Blog Talk Radio. The following program has been assessed a threat level red by the Department of Homeland Security.
Conservative Watchtower Radio is on the air. Where we keep watch over our Constitution, free markets, private property, and individual liberty. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. But that was awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate sinister entity that's at the root of all our problems. Some of these same voices also do their best to gum up the works. They'll warn that tyranny is always lurking just around the corner. You should reject these voices. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Now, here's your award-winning host, Dana Smearman. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. Looking for trouble, you came to the right place. If you're looking for trouble, just look right in my face. I was born standing up and talking back. My daddy was a green Look for trouble, but I never ran. I don't take no orders, no kind of man. I'm only made out flesh, blood, and bone. But if you're gonna start a rumble, don't you try it all I'm exactly evil. Well, I guess it depends on who you ask. That's it. Welcome. Good evening, everyone. This is your humble, somewhat sober, but always entertaining host, Dana Smearman. This is the Conservative Watchtower, the prime time edition of said program. Broadcasting, as we always do, from the Conservative Watchtower studios deep, deep within the low country of South Carolina. Welcome to all of you who are listening to tonight's program. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's just not as regular as I would like it to be. Work intrudes. <laughs> Work always seems to intrude. You know, this week, my my lovely bride and I, who uh, this past Saturday uh, celebrated spending 20 years together, we got a nice surprise for our lovely Valentine's Day anniversary weekend. And that is we started doing our federal income taxes. Yeah, our federal income taxes. You know, being that we actually pay some and all. Now, after we looked at the withholding statements on the lovely W-2 forms and realized we'd already given the federal government tens of thousands of our dollars, we got the old turbo tax going there. You know, after all, we're not the Secretary of the Treasury. We can actually work the turbo tax. And we got that little red number in the top corner. You know that little red number that means, geez, I think you might owe the federal government some more money. Which is kind of a 22, don't you think? The more you work, the more you make, the more you get taxed. Gee, what a lovely society in which we live in today. That's part of the reasoning behind tonight's show, if you will. The title being, Will We Be Slaves or Will Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Sorry about that, for that lovely sounds of silence. Yes, I was kicked out of my own studio, kicked off my own program. Didn't think it was possible, did you? It is. Of course, that lovely East German technology. Yes. Yes, the lovely East German technology which BTR uh, uses on this fine platform. But we're back. After all of that, you know, sometimes it's very frustrating operating from this platform, I must say. I really, really must say it is. <laughs> you know, you plan, you do work, you put a show together, and then the technology, right out the window, there it goes. But I digress. We're talking about freedoms tonight. We're talking about what does it mean to be free, if we will choose to be free, Will we choose to be slaves? I think our founders were very clear that it would be our choice. It would be our choice if we were to remain free or if we would be enslaved by an ever-growing giant bureaucracy. It will be our choice. The question is, has the left, have those who have entrenched on the side of big government have they given out enough of the goodies? Enough of the goodies? Can they import now a group of illegals across our border, offer them the earned income tax credits, health care, in-state tuition? Have they gotten it far enough that there is no return? As I was saying, most of you probably didn't hear it, this show is kind of a continuation of my good friend RZ's program from Friday, asking us to put it out there. What will we say if this was our last stand on the Internet? I mean, the FCC and all is about ready to 
to regulate said Internet, are they not? As we talk about freedoms, as we talk to our neighbors and our friends about freedom, I know I have many people that I work with who think that they're free because they, they hit the town on Friday night, they get to the movies, they get to Walmart, right? They get out to their favorite Outback Steakhouse for a Bloomin' Onion, and because of that, they're free. That's what they tell me. Yet I see an ever-shrinking circle of freedom. Right now, you have three Democrats who sit on the Federal Communications Commission, on the FCC, who are going to pass regulations, by the way, without you and I being able to see said regulations. They're going to vote on them long before you and I see what these regulations say, and they want to begin to control the Internet as if it is a utility, as if it is the phone, right? As if it is your electric company. They want to be able to assess fees, you know, more tax revenue, billions of dollars in fees. The Federal Elections Commission also would like to get their finger in that pot. They want to also help to control free speech. That's such a pesky thing. Because there's too many political groups that are launching off of the Internet, that are using the Internet as a platform. Because the Internet represents truly the last stand, the last bastion of free speech that we have left in this nation. And now they have their sights set on that. So I ask all of those folks out there who believe that they're free tonight, are you truly free if the government can reach in and snatch the Internet from you? And what are we going to say to those people who come behind us, our posterity? What will we say? What are we going to say? They're going to have a lot of questions, I would suppose. They're going to have a lot of questions. They're going to want to know, how the hell did it get to this? How the hell did we reach this point, and why the hell didn't you people stand up and do a little bit more? I think if it continues on the way it is, those are going to be the questions they're going to have for us. And they would be correct in asking those questions. Very right in asking those questions. So what will we say to them? You know, I I must say 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, I wasn't very engaged. I was out like most people before the the days of 9-11 and I was out making a little money, you know, had a pretty good life going for myself, wasn't paying attention every day to what was going on down in Washington, D.C. or at my state house. I ignored a lot of the warning signs that there was trouble. Trouble was coming. I ignored all of it. And now that my eyes have been opened, it's hard not to see that shrinking circle of liberty. What can I say to those people that come behind me? I missed an opportunity when I was young to learn what I needed to learn, to truly understand what a unique experiment America truly was. I missed opportunities to understand as a young man, mostly because I I went to public school and they were way too busy preparing me for a life in forest rangery or sitting in a file. What did you tell me to do in my standardized test? I think I was supposed to sit in a... uh, I was supposed to be a forest ranger or sit in a a fire-watching tower. 
you know, that's what they were preparing me for. That's what my standardized test told me. Nobody bothered to teach me the truth about our founding. Nobody bothered to talk philosophy. Nobody bothered to teach me those things. And quite honestly, I didn't care. I lived through the prosperous 1980s, man. The, the world was my oyster. We were on a roll. It wasn't going to stop. At least that's what I thought. It wasn't until years later when I noticed that something was just amiss that I started delving in, started reaching into history, philosophy, our founding, natural law, and I started to get a picture of what it was truly supposed to be, mean to be an American. How truly fortunate and blessed we really were to be born here. A unique experiment. Most of the history of the world is replete with despotism, of oppression, of slavery. And here was this bright, shining city on a hill, a place where we were going to try it a little bit differently. We were going to insist that there were certain rights that come from our Creator, certain natural rights that no man, that no government, no bureaucrat, no FCC had the right to interfere with. That we had a right to our own life, we had a right to our own freedom, and more importantly, we had a right to pursue happiness. Not happiness in the sense of the flesh, to go out and do whichever we feel like doing, whatever floats your boat, whatever gets you through the night, so to speak, no, to our founders, it meant what was virtuous and moral. It was to work hard. It was to provide for you and your family. It was for you to take your God-given talents and go as far as you can go. The idea that the government was not there to be your nanny. It was not there to right all social wrongs. It was there solely to protect you and your personal property. That's what it was there to do. It was limited in what it was to do. It had a specific job. It was to go this far and no further. We were going to make a society in which the individual was the sovereign, the master of our own destiny. It's such a unique experiment that it was. I hear a lot of people talk Many leftists to attack our founding, our fathers, our founding fathers, because some of them owned slaves. And while it's true, they were imperfect men, and while some did own slaves, they created a system of government through the documents, our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, that was going to eventually make slavery, well, untenable. It was Abraham Lincoln who pointed out rightly that our founding fathers gave us the very system that was necessary to free those who had been oppressed. The wonderful thing about America isn't that we've made mistakes, it's that we pay the price and we correct those mistakes. Our founders knew they weren't going to build the perfect society, they were going to build the most perfect society that they could. That you would have the right to go as far as you could, 
it seems now that we've sold our souls as a nation, as a society, well, for a few pieces of silver, for a few transfer payments from the government. We've given it all away so that we can be taken care of because we have convinced through the left-wing apparatus that everything that you wish is a right. Education is a right. Healthcare, a right. Housing, a right. And if those things are rights, well, they must be provided. And if you can't afford it, well, we'll give it to you. We being the, the magnificent government, here to help, of course. I think often about being free. What does it really mean? I'm not free to chart my own destiny. I'm not free to do that which I wish. Not, not in any real sense anymore. I can't express ideas the way I wish to express them because there are regulations on my speech. I can't have an incandescent light bulb in my home even though I choose. That's the, that's the light bulb I want. But the government says no. My kids, if I still sent them to public school, couldn't have a meal that they chose to have because our government now tells us what our kids must eat. Does that mean that we're free? Freedom is not about being taken care of. Freedom truly is about risk. It is about risk. It's about taking a risk. It's about being able to take that risk. An amazing thing now is I sit around and watch people. It's now become virtuous. Virtuous, mind you. To have people come here illegally. I'm not calling them undocumented immigrants. I mean, the, the, the language has even been bastardized now. They're not undocumented immigrants. They're illegal aliens. They've come here Right? Breaking our laws on the way in. And now that they are here, we are told that it's only virtuous that we bestow citizenship upon them, that we give them earned income tax credits, that we pay for their health care, we send their kids to school. That's now virtuous. We are told time and time again, even by those who are supposedly in the party that I've been in my whole life, the Republican Party, that, you know what, these people come here only for love. You better get off your high horse. You better quit talking about this issue. You know, you better not come out against illegal immigration. You better be for amnesty or else we're not going to win elections. Right? Isn't that the problem? We're told time and time again by the same talking head pundits that we shouldn't talk about quote-unquote, social issues because we won't win elections. As if it is a game, ladies and gentlemen. As if it is a game. Our society is crumbling because of the moral decay that you see every time you turn on the television, every time you pick up a newspaper, but we're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to say 
here's the problem, and we have to do something about it. We're told to shut up. It's about winning elections. And when we do win elections, as we just did, that being, I say we loosely, but when Republicans win elections, we see them being ineffectual. We see them cowering. We see them giving up before the fight begins. So what have we really won? What have we won? If we will not take the moral stand, if you're not going to get up, and you're not going to say, this is what we believe in. This is what we stand for. Then what is the purpose? Then you are a slave. Thank you, Master. I'll take my government check. Please, please, just give me my government check. Let me go back to my house and you know, maybe I can play on my Xbox. Maybe I can get on the Internet if I'm allowed to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Master. Is that what we've become? Is that what it was all for? Was that what all the blood, toil, heartache has been about, was to get to this point? It's a fair question to ask that perhaps there's been too much given out to roll it back. That may be, that may be true. That may be true. But, ladies and gentlemen, I've always been one who likes to go out swinging. Right? I've always been one who likes to go down just swinging away. Swing for the fences. You know, I, I see too much cowardice out there right now. I see too many people kowtowing, too many people accepting what the liberal media, the, the agenda that they set. No matter what the issue is, we always seem to be on defense. Their ideas never, ever work. And yet somehow we are made out to be the kooks, the people on the fringes, when we point out the fact that none of what they're doing can continue for any length of time before the economy itself collapse, collapses entirely. I mean, we look at the money that is being spent. Look at the amounts that are being spent. Part of the problem, when we talk about numbers with individuals, is that these numbers are so large, it's almost incomprehensible. There's almost no way to relate these numbers in terms that people can understand. When you say a number like 18 plus trillion dollars in on book debt, that number is incomprehensible. It is more than everything that this country produces in a year. We are in debt, 18 trillion on book. We're not even talking about Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid, all these other programs. Spending and spending and spending. It's been going on since the New Deal, the Square Deal, the Fair Deal, the whatever deal, the war on poverty. It's all been trillions of dollars of wealth pissed away. So what do we have for all the dollars spent? We still have an incredible poverty rate, higher than when they started all these programs. We have an education system, even though we spend record amounts of money on these programs. Education system seems to be functionally broken. 
as we spit out students who are ill-prepared to be competitive in the world in which they find themselves. Where does it end? Is it the total collapse of our system? Is that, what it, is that the end game? It would seem... It would seem as though sometimes that is the end game. You can't tell me. Now, I know that some of these politicians are not really bright. I got that. I mean, I'm down with that. I understand that. But you've got to know that most of them have to understand that what they're doing cannot continue. That if you just have a cursory knowledge of math, you can figure this out. It cannot continue. Will we be free? What does it take? As the silly season begins to already, you know, getting itself ramped up, we've already seen the, the Jeb Bushes and the Chris Christies throwing their hats in the ring. They're going to run, run, Jeb, run, right? We see what's already happening as, as we ramp up to this next presidential election. The same old names get bandied about. The same old money brokers get bandied about. Carl Rove and his damn whiteboard all over the place telling us what we may and may not talk about, who we must back to win. I firmly, firmly believe that if there is even a small ray of hope, turn around what has been done, this next election cycle is going to be the key. If we don't get somebody who will at least begin the process of slowing some of this down, we don't have a chance. And believe me, it's not going to be easy. Because if you're not named Jeb Bush, the money brokers don't want anything to do with you right now. The so-called so-called establishment folks, guys like Rove, they're going to be on the attack. And how do I know this is true? Look, you already know what the liberal media does to Republican candidates. And, you know, and, and, don't, and don't get me wrong, Carl Rove, he's going to be, he is going to be right in there with the lib media tearing apart people who are not named Jeb Bush. I saw this, I watched this unfold this week with the Scott Walker stuff. Okay. Now, I'm not asking you how you feel about Scott Walker. You don't have to be on the Scott Walker bandwagon and you're going to support him for president. You know what? I, I don't even have anybody right now. I'm not, I'm not banning names around. I'm using this as an example because you see it happen this week. Scott Walker is being taken to task now because, oh, my God, he didn't finish college. Whoa, man. You didn't finish college. As if this is a prerequisite to be president of the United States, that you didn't finish college. Right? Now, I don't know about you folks. I know a lot of people who graduated from college who are pretty damn dumb. Right? They shouldn't be president of the United States. They shouldn't be running a cash register down at the, at the quickie mark, to be quite honest with you. But yet the live media, probably fueled by people like Carl Rove, get Scott Walker, Get him. He's a threat now, so we've got to destroy him. Hey, and by the way, when you're done going over your college or not college transcripts, hey, Scott Walker, you want to talk about evolution? Right? Same old crap. And yet we fall for it, don't we? Because we're ill-prepared to take those arguments on. Right? 
I want to just, you know, one time see some of these political uh, uh, pundit types tell these guys to flip the script. What the hell does it matter what Scott Walker thinks about evolution? How does that fit in to his qualifications to be president of the United States? The problems that we face today, we just talked about some of them. How the hell does Scott Walker's view on evolution or the fact that he didn't finish college factor into anything? He's done a pretty good job as being governor of Wisconsin. He's uh, been a successful businessman. I think he's done a lot in his life. I think he's got some accomplishments. Right? Now, once again, a lot of issues, not really sure. But what I'm, the point I'm making is it's already begun. So if they're doing this to Scott Walker, what do you think they're going to do to, I don't know, say Marco Rubio? What are they going to do to an Alan West? What are they going to do to the really, really, really conservative folks who might throw their hat in the ring? Can you imagine the questions that are going to come their way? And we fall for it. We're not prepared to answer. We're not prepared to take this crap on. We let the Republican establishment get involved because they're going to be just as vicious when it comes to this election cycle. And they've got their teeth sunk in, and they're not about to let loose of that grip. Is that what it's about? Is that what we're going to do? Are we going to be free? Are we going to stand up? Are we going to demand the kind of candidate that we are going to need? Are we going to fight through the primary process? I know here in South Carolina, we're like right up, right? We're right in the mix to be very important in selecting the GOP candidate. How's that going to play out here in this state? The open primary state that it is. Never understood it, right? Didn't understand it until I started understanding the minds of the Republican establishment. Why the hell would you want to have an open primary? Oh, wait, I got it. Because in open primaries, you can get liberal Republican candidates nominated in a conservative state like South Carolina. That's why. We have a president who talks as if we can equate Christianity and Islam at a national prayer breakfast, who can bring up slavery and Jim Crow and tie it to Christianity, do it within a drop of a hat, and the press, nothing to say on that one, right? Now, we just saw here recently a Jordanian, <laughs> Jordanian pilot be burned alive. And yet now all Christians, well, we're pretty much just the same as all those, all those guys in ISIS and the rest of those folks over there who seem to think it's a 1098. The country's rotting from the inside out, and we, it's up to us, the people, to do something about it. I don't play games anymore. I don't care. I mean, I used to have the Republican Party hat on, and I was going to be the good guy, and I was going to toe the line and do my best to get Republicans elected and, you know, I do my best to, to just swallow sometimes, swallow hard. They're not perfect candidates, but go ahead and we'll support guys like Mitt Romney the last time around. Those days were over. You have to answer for what you do. You have a record, and you've got to answer for it. I don't care who you are. If you're a Republican congressman and you were sent 
to this Congress, and you voted for John Boehner for Speaker of the House, you should be replaced. Just that easy. Poll after poll of Republicans, Republicans, rank-and-file Republicans, tells me that we don't want John Boehner as Speaker of the House. And yet these folks, some of them who ran on the platform of opposing John Boehner, couldn't wait to get down there, get whipped into shape, get their little piece of the pie, and vote for John Boehner. Corruption, plain and simple. If you voted for him, you should go. Don't care who you are. Don't care who you are. We have to start taking on these arguments if we are to be a free people. When I hear the president spouting about Jim Crow and slavery and that Christianity has got an answer, had a hand in that stuff, I'm like sitting here, you know, sometimes you still, after even after nearly, what, six, seven years of this crap, sometimes you still say, I can't believe he just said that. And you wonder... Who's going who's gonna to ask him the pertinent questions? I mean, obviously the press doesn't care. I, mean, I got that now. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And the last time I checked, <laughs> the, heavy, the heavy lifting in the abolition movement in this country was done by the church. And dare I say Jim Crow laws were enacted by, by I think, the president's political party, if I'm not mistaken. And even that, we we chase that shiny ball around. Race relations in this country have taken an incredible step forward until Barack Obama showed up. We're supposed to believe we are still living in the time of Jim Crow. I've got the FBI director here the other day saying that, hey, guess what, folks? You you have uh, even if you don't know it, you're still kind of a racist. So, yeah, you got to deal with that. You have this. You have this inner racism inside of you. You just don't even know it, but you are one. The man who heads our FBI. We've got to start standing up to all of it, making the arguments, telling people what needs to be said. And if our elected leaders are too damn cowardly to do it, then it falls upon us. As I said, I come from a very conservative Republican state, yet we still have Lindsey Graham as a senator. Right? We still have Lindsey Graham who somehow thinks that people are clamoring for him to run for president. I've got a Republican, you know, <laughs> excuse me, representative here. I say you vote for John Boehner. Sorry, time to go. Time to replace you. If you're not going to stand up and do what you said you were going to do, what you know the right thing is, it's time for you to go. It just it's infuriating to see how far we have gotten away from who we are supposed to be. It angers me, as you can tell. It angers me. I've I've been around the world. I've seen other societies. I've been to third world places in Central America. I've been to Europe. I've seen all sorts of different societies. And ladies and gentlemen, we have let the greatest society, slowly slip out of our grasp. You know, it's true that no society lasts forever. As great as past societies like the Romans and the Greek societies were, they did all eventually fail. 
I mean, every once in a while, it seems throughout our history, we were on the verge, but we course corrected. We bought ourselves a little more time. And I, I don't know if it's possible anymore. I'm not sure. But I know that I will go down with my last breath as a free man. I'm going to fight hard for that. I'm going to talk to as many people as I can. I'm going to do as much as I can to make sure that I, my children, my wife, and you, out there listening, you, my friends, remain free. With this, it just It's infuriating to see. And in, in, in my line of work, I see a lot of it. I see people who come. I see people who have been lifelong recipients of welfare programs. I see illegals who come to our emergency rooms and are treated at our dime. It is infuriating. And if you say something about it, sometimes people give you that little look like, uh-oh, we may have a racist here. Right? It's not about race. It's not about racism. It's about common damn sense. That is what we are talking about this evening. Slave or free man? really is up to you. As I said, I thought it was a great idea that RZ had to propose that. What would we say to people? I would say to people, if you're listening in the future, if you're hearing this in an archive, freedom is a fragile thing, and once it is gone, it is seldom, seldom ever reclaimed without a loss of the blood, of an incredible amount of blood. I certainly do not want to see it come to that. There is a ways around this process. There are things that we still can do, things we can try, things that can be put together, but it's going to take a lot of effort and time and education on our part to get these things done. I still believe that the only way for those people listening out there, once again, if you're out there listening in the archive at some future date, the only way, I believe, this country can be saved is for the states to begin to wrest back the power that belongs to them. There's been so much misinformation about a convention of the states, some by the Birchers and their weirdness, and some by Republican operatives like Karl Rove, who insisted that part of the funding behind the convention of the states process comes from code pink of all places. The man is a liar, a pathological liar, we do now have states on board trying to get this thing moved forward because I believe unless we have this process, I see no other way to begin to rein in an out-of-control government. Because at this point, ladies and gentlemen, it's taken out of our hands. You can see in the works what's happening right now. Okay? What's happening now is that Barack Obama and his ilk are putting things in place within the bureaucracy, within the government, setting it up to make sure that even if a Republican wins election next time around, that the bureaucracy will strike back, right? It's going to leap into action to prevent the next Republican, hopefully conservative president, from unraveling this crap. The people who work within this giant bureaucracy are not touched by you and I. We don't elect them. We don't put them in their office. We can't remove them from their office. So we've got to end run around them. We've got to start taking the power 
in limiting, I should say, the power of the federal government to tax and to spend, that, their number one power, has got to be limited. If I was to send a message, I would say to all of you, it's time for the states in which you live to reclaim their rights. They're not supposed to be some appendage of the federal government. In every decision that they want to get involved with, they take away from the states. We have a Supreme Court who here in the near future is going to make a decision for all 50 states concerning same-sex marriage. Now, once again, it doesn't matter what your feelings are on same-sex marriage. It does not matter. The problem we have is that these justices, at least five of them, are going to decide for 330 million people, for all 50 states, what marriage means, what is defined as. It's unprecedented, right? Some people will applaud a decision like this, right? But they don't see it for what it really is. That these five people, when they choose, will get involved in things that the federal government has no business being involved in. No business whatsoever to be involved in. But here we go. We will sit around in June waiting for them to come out and say, you know, here it is, the entire, the entire history of marriage, of family, of society is going to be turned on its head possibly because five justices thought it was important enough to get involved in. Once again, no matter how you feel about the issue, it was never supposed to be decided by the federal government. This is our problem, ladies and gentlemen, unless you begin to wrest power away. Wrest power away from them. It will never, never stop. We will be slaves if we wish to be slaves. We'll be free if we wish to be free. It's up to us. It's up to us to think outside the box, to quit buying all the garbage that's being sold, all the scare tactics by those who talk about runaway constitutional conventions, which... Again, this would not be one. Rules would be set. All we are doing is proposing amendments to the Constitution which must be ratified. The same process by which every other amendment has been ratified, except we're not waiting for Congress to propose amendments to limit their own power, because why in the hell would they do that? I think that's the only way out of this mess, if we truly are to have freedom if we truly are to have freedom. It's very, very important. There are things that are states' rights issues. The problem with states' rights issues, the problem with it is that when you say states' rights, of course, the left has managed to bastardize that language, and of course, they tie that to what? Jim Crow. Slavery, the Confederacy, right? So we can't even say it's a stage right issue anymore without people, once again, bastardizing the language. We must be free, ladies and gentlemen. That was what our, our founding fathers wished for us, for us to chart our own destiny. It's amazing when I hear these arguments. States' rights, to me, simply means Tenth Amendment rights. If it's not specifically set aside in the Constitution, if it doesn't violate the Bill of Rights, boom, gone. States get to decide. 
states get to decide. The people get to decide. Truly, truly is a phenomenal thing when you hear people talk. It doesn't matter what the issue is. For instance, you have, you have uh, marijuana that has been legalized in some states. I personally, once again, don't care, right? Don't care, don't use marijuana, could care less. I believe that if states wish to legalize marijuana, if they wish to do certain things and their people get together, I have no problem with that. Why can't we have the states decide these issues? Why do we need an overarching federal government to decide these issues for us? Why do we elect state representatives, governors, right? Why do we do that? Why do we even bother if the federal government gets to preempt everything? That's the point. That's what we're trying to say here. It doesn't matter, as I said, what you feel about some of these issues. You get to have a say-so. You get to have a say-so. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a small break. I'm going to play a couple of tunes here. I'm going to refresh the beverage. Got to refresh the beverage. Uh, tonight, I know everybody's always interested. Tonight, it is an 18-year-old Glenn Livett. Tasty? Yes, very tasty. I'm going to refresh that beverage. I'm going to play a couple of songs. When we come back, we're going to talk more about freedom. We're going to talk about freedom versus slavery. We're going to talk about a lot of issues. And uh, we're going to get... Uh, we're going to get, I think, into a little bit more of the convention of the state's ideas, all kinds of stuff. You certainly, uh, you certainly are welcome uh, to join in this little festivity if you, if you so desire. If you so desire, you can certainly do that. I will be back in just a few minutes, and uh, we will continue on with our discussion. Let the free bird fly 
Time edition. This is your humble, a somewhat sober host. I'm on the second 18-year-old Glenn Livet. Uh, so you know we're we're doing the best we can to keep it coherent. We are talking about slavery versus freedom. Talking about all sorts of issues here tonight. I want to thank everybody for joining me here. There's a few intrepid souls who showed up tonight in the chat room. Uh, Bigfoot is here tonight. Doc, good to see you. We have a nondescript. Uh, guest, which probably means our in our our probably I think the NSA 
monitoring uh, is occurring again. The poor little fool who has drawn the short straw to have to monitor uh, an Internet radio program on a Monday night. Golf Dogs, Ron is here, uh, the aforementioned RZ, the reactionaries, the uh, the legend, as I like to call it. And of course, Annie from Southern Sense, who is mentioning here in the chat room that tomorrow she is going to have Lou Marin and Kay Ribley of the Tea Party Express to talk about that Article 5 convention. And uh, there are, I think, 24 states that are on board. A lot of misinformation going on about that. Uh, I know in Virginia in particular it was getting kind of nasty. Virginia of all places. I mean, the Virginia, Virginia. The home of Thomas Jefferson and George Mason, and now we're having crap on there about, uh, what is it now? They're trying to say that uh, that uh, that the, uh, as I said, Code Pink is involved in the Article 5 convention process. A bunch of lefty groups are funding it. Yeah. They sure as hell would love to do that, wouldn't they? If they, well, just, it's Karl Rove and all these morons, these establishment types who don't want to see their power being wrested from them. They're the ones who are putting this stuff out. The state that gave us the Virginia Declaration of Rights, a forebearer to the Declaration of Independence, and we're having a hard time getting them on board with a convention of the states process. What a twisted world we live in. Hmm? What a twisted country this has become. You know, speaking of rights, I have to speak on this issue because, once again, I saw this little clip come up. Uh, that uh, Cuomo, was it Chris Cuomo over at CNN, talking to Roy Moore, who is the, uh, I think he's the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. Of course, they're having their own little fight about gay marriage down in Alabama. And uh, Chris Cuomo, of course, pointing out that uh, our rights don't come from God. What? What? You're kidding, man. He says that's our religion, but, man, that's not how you get your rights. Rights rights come from compromise and politics and government, man. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. See, we're the wackos. We're the ones that are out there, you know? Our ideas are wacky that there should be certain rights that uh, <laughs> come from our creator. The, the amazing thing about it, these rights that we talk about is you don't have to be a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Hindu, an agnostic, an atheist. They all still apply. They come from, well, the laws of nature and nature's God. I do believe I read that somewhere, that if these certain rights could be conferred by man... And they certainly, they certainly can be taken away just as quickly. So we have a guy who states this, this Chris Cuomo. He's arguing. Right? I never thought I would come to a time in my life where we would have people arguing something like this. That is this moronic. That, you know what, in fact, every right that we have is conferred on us by government. I mean, just think about the logic therein. We gave birth, government, it was supposed to work on our behest, and now somehow it confers all of our rights upon us. But we're the fringe-dwelling lunatics, so they say. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I just, I, I'm amazed all the time. You hear more and more of this going on, that you didn't build that stuff, 
right? It's all about shared responsibility, and, you know, it's Barack Obama and those guys. They're going to decide your rights for you. I mean, after all, Michelle decides what we can eat, right? They, they tell us what we can drive. They tell us what we can crap in. It's all good, right? But what are we supposed to do? Well, you know, there's a, a good friend of mine on Facebook by the name of Alan Vera. And Alan, uh, he's got some of the best stuff on Facebook. He just pops up every once in a while. And sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're inspiring. Always insightful. And he had a quote by Winston Churchill that I would thought was completely prescient tonight, and I'd like to share it with you. Alan writes in his post that keep your eyes open. It's coming for each of you. And he quotes Winston Churchill. Churchill says there's a special moment in everyone's life, a moment for which that person was born. That special opportunity, when he seizes it, will fulfill his mission, a mission for which he is uniquely qualified. In that moment, he finds greatness. It is his finest hour. He goes on, Alan, to write, this is it, patriots. It's our time. Eject the commies peacefully, if possible, but eject them finally. This is not the end, is our finest hour, and he signs off, as Alan always does, with a great big hoo That's right. hoo Thank you, Alan. It is inspiring. This can be our finest hour if we choose for it to be. As I said, many of us struggle our entire life trying to figure out exactly what it is we were put on this earth to do. Mark Twain once said that the two most important days in any man's life are the day he is born and the day he finds out why. Why are we here? Why, are, why is this group of people together, out of all of the people in the world, out of all the happenstance that goes on in life, how does this group of people get together? People like RZ and Annie and G-Ski, if he is out there somewhere, Stephen Vandergast, great Alan Vera that I just mentioned. Is it happenstance or are we here now? Have we been put together at this time and place for this to be our finest hour? We all have unique skills and talents that we bring to the table. Each of us are learned in many different subjects. We may come at these things from different directions, but we all have the same goal in mind, and that's freedom. The more that I look at it, the more I think about this strange little amalgam of people here, I, I have to think it is no, no coincidence that we are here now. I don't think it is a coincidence that we were put together in this place and in this time. I'm going to say something that may be controversial to some If it is, I'm sorry, it has to be said. I believe that the United States of America was ordained by God. That we are supposed to have a special place in this world. And that when we choose to do the righteous and moral thing, there is no force on earth that can stop us. When we choose to stand up to tyranny, both here and abroad, there is nothing that can stop us. I believe 
that we were meant to be a nation above all else, a shining city on the hill. And I believe that if we, each of us, believe this and take this to heart, if we believe that we were put here for that purpose, if we, were, if we believe that we are here at this time to have our finest hour, then this is what we will achieve. I'm not here to say that the fight is going to be easy. I'm not saying that the fight will be short. But I'm saying if we are willing to stand shoulder to shoulder, if we are willing to use our unique skills, to give the time that we have available, if we are to educate our children, our neighbors, our friends, if we are willing to do all that is necessary and then just a little more, we can win the fight. Sometimes we all get discouraged, and I know I do. There have been times in my life when I, I'm like all of you, I felt like perhaps I cannot go on. Perhaps too much is happening. I can't take it anymore. They're coming at me from all sides. I, this, it's over. I can't do it anymore. The country's doomed. Our future is doomed. Then I hear the voice of my father, my great father, who would say to me, you got to get up, son. you got to fight on. It's not over till they start shoveling dirt on you was one of his favorite phrases. And he was right. He was right. I mean, what does it mean to us to be American, to be free? How important is it to you, to me, to fight on? Nothing is inevitable. There's no battle that is lost until we assume it's lost. There's a lot of work to be done. I, I grant you that but it can be accomplished. This nation must be virtuous again. It must be a moral nation, for only moral people can be free people. I know that they tell us not to talk about these issues, not to talk about morality, not to talk about the disintegration of the family. But that's the problem, the problem in and of itself. We have to discuss these issues. We have to discuss them. Sometimes it's not going to be pretty. Sometimes people are going to get angry and they're going to walk away. So be it. We've avoided having the discussions that we need to have for far too long. We, we are afraid in many cases to have the discussions because they've injected race into everything and we're afraid to be called a racist. I mean, my God, you can be called many things, but don't be called a racist. So they insulate themselves from these discussions, these debates. And yet we watch our country fall further and further down the rabbit hole. We must be prepared to do the hard things. This can be our finest hour. In fact, it must be our finest hour. I happen to think that we are in the last battle for the soul of this nation. We have a very short window of opportunity to get it done. Either take two sides of this. We can either just start prepping for doomsday and hide in our bunkers and wait for it all to be over, or we can stand, as I said, shoulder to shoulder and get this thing done. 
I choose to stand and fight. I choose to go out swinging, as I said before. Don't know what you're prepared to do, but that's what I'm prepared to do. I have three children, young men, trying to make their way in the world. I want them to have opportunity. I want them to have opportunity to chart their own course, to have the kind of life that I've enjoyed, to be able to acquire some property, to have a family. I want them to live a prosperous life, a free life. I want your children. I want Stephen Vandergast's children, G. Ski's children. I want everyone's children, everyone's grandchildren to live that kind of a life. I want them to be able to understand what it truly means to be a free people. That's why I say to you, there's only one solution, as I've, as I've been talking about earlier. Annie's going to talk further about it tomorrow on her program, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, Southern Sense, on various platforms. But you can find her here at the Blog Talk Radio. Right? And also a quick mention to those people listening in the archives. Sorry about that long pause thing. Yeah, sorry about that. I got kicked out of my own show. It happens. The convention of the state's process is, to me, where the battle now lies. It's where I put my energy. It's where I put my research, put some scholarship into, so that we can refute some of the arguments that are being made, some of the very disgusting and spurious arguments being made by those who oppose the process, because this process would put power back in your hands, in the hands of your state representatives, you would have an effect on this process and that they cannot have. This is what we need to understand. This is what you need to get. We have 24 states who have committed to this process. We need eight more. We are working on those states. There are organizations out there that have been doing the groundwork, putting in a lot of hard work to get this thing going. There's been a lot of scholarship done on it. There's been a lot of debate. To me, it's the only process we have at our disposal that makes sense. Once again, it's not an easy process. <laughs> there's nothing easy, ladies and gentlemen, about freedom. Let's just, let's just be honest about it. There's nothing easy about it. Here's the thing. We've got to get states on board. Because as far as I see, unless we start putting people and the government back in its box, especially when it comes to its taxation, spending powers, regulation power, it's over. It's pretty much over. <laughs> we have to be able to understand our founders gave us Article 5. They gave it to us as a way out specifically insisted upon by George Mason. George Mason, the man, as I said, who authored the Virginia Declaration of Rights, a precursor to our Declaration of Independence, he insisted upon a process that would allow future generations, not if, but when they would face governmental tyranny, they had to have a way out. They had to have an escape clause. Article 5 is that escape clause. Article 5 is the way out. Once again, not an easy process. Once we have the states on board, they're going to have to discuss rules for said commission or convention. 
Once that convention is called and the time and date is set, amendments will be proposed. Those amendments will go out to the states in which, once again, we have to have 33 states that are going to be on board to get these amendments passed. That's no easy task. There's going to be a lot of flack from both the left, some in the establishment who are going to be pushing back on this, those who have, been, you know, who those have embedded themselves into the system, who make a lot of money being a crony and, and you know, saddling up to the government trough, they're going to fight back. They're going to push back on this. This is what has to be done. I am hoping I live long enough to see this eventually come to pass. You see? This is what has to happen if we are going to take back our country. That's it. There is no other solution. You know, we can keep electing folks. You know, we can keep sending them down to Washington, D.C. and hoping for the best. Right? We can keep doing that. We see what happens when we send these people. They sound real good when they're running. Right? They got the message on point. They got their talking points down. They get down to that swamp, that sewer down in Washington, D.C., and suddenly we don't know who the hell they are. We saw it this election cycle. Right? People running against Obamacare. People running... You know, when they get down there, are they prepared to do anything about it? Nope, sorry. <laughs> we can't do anything. We can't do anything. They're bought and paid for. The corruption is so rampant that there is no solution but radical surgery, and that is to excise them from as much power as you possibly can and return it to where it belongs. You know, we need to force them to live within their means as we need to live within our means. We need to stand up for what is right. They push amnesty down our throat, whether we wish it or not. And believe me, they are on the march to do that as well. We have to start putting the government back in its box, getting it back within its boundaries where it belongs. Our founders... Those people who wrote the Constitution, those states that ratified it, those people who argued for it, they understood human nature. They understood that you and I would be facing the very times that we face. I ask a question, and, and I mean this sincerely. I mean, we hear a lot of people argue against it. Some of them who are even supposedly conservative argue against Article 5. If George Mason, if George Mason, those of you who understand who George Mason, who read George Mason, who understand who this man was, if he believes so strongly in this process, why shouldn't we? Why should we listen to a bunch of voices out there who probably don't know what the hell they're talking about, the process? They certainly have never taken the time to actually read the notes of the convention, to understand what was being argued at the time? Are we going to take their word for it, the word of the Chamber of Commerce, or are we going to listen to the men who gave us this grand experiment? You know, I think I'll side with George Mason, okay? I think I'll side with him before I sign with, I don't know, Joe Scarborough, 
right? Or or whoever else is out there. I know he's one particularly uh, who's who's been very virulent against the whole uh, <laughs> spreading his his lies about the Article Five process. Government is easier to control when it's closer to you. I think we need to repeal amendments as well as propose them. The direct election of senators has destroyed state representation to the federal government. What does it even mean to be a state a senator anymore? You know, you send senators from the state of South Carolina. We have a good one in Tim Scott, and we got a lousy one in Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham has no allegiance to the state of South Carolina, not in any real sense. He votes against our interests frequently. He proposes things that are against the state's interest frequently because he has no allegiance to that state. The first state to bring suit against Obamacare was Virginia. And yet both of their senators voted for Obamacare. How is that in the interest of the state? How is that in line with what the state's interests may be? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's what it was supposed to be. The two houses, the people's representatives and the House of Representatives and the state's representative to the federal government in the Senate, the progressives bastardized that. So why can't we reverse that process? And the direct election of the senators, proposed amendments to balance budgets, proposed amendments for term limits. You know, there's many proposals out there. You can go to different websites and look at all of them. You know, I, I, you can pick your pick of things that you might support, things you may not, but there's a lot of good ideas, things that need to be discussed. You know? That's the way it is. I believe we are in that finest hour, and this is where I choose to put my interest, my, my, uh, my efforts, my energy, that when I'm not working and doing what I can to take care of my family, trying to trying to get the word out on this process. You know, when I'm not here every once in a while trying to do a show here on BTR for as long as this may last, you know. And, uh, you know, just looking at this situation. You know, we were, I was talking to my wife the other day, as I said. You know, we, were, we just celebrated 20 years together this, this past weekend. And we started talking about, anymore how busy we both seem to be. Both work full time, you know, we're taking care of our home, taking care of everything else we have to. Sometimes there's just not the kind of time that you would want. Sometimes I'm a little more tired as I get a little older. Don't have the get up and go I once had, but I'm trying to give as much as I can to the cause. Because after America, there is nothing else. There is no place to escape to, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what they say about the little confabs down in Belize and Costa Rica. After this experiment's done, there is nowhere to go. We're it. And now we give away freedom so cheaply. We give away citizenship so cheaply. Suddenly America has become the Delta Tau Delta fraternity. And we just we just bring people in because we need the dues. We have people who are supposedly smart telling us by importing another class of low-skill, low-educated individuals that somehow it's going to be an economic boom to the United States economy. Yeah, but you see, the problem is we have this whole welfare state thing going on as well. Kind of hurts, doesn't it? 
we have to begin the process of ending this sort of nonsense. They're going to call you a racist, a xenophobe. They're going to throw all kinds of names at you. We've got to stick to our guns. Everywhere you look, freedom is under assault. And whether you're chained up at ye old plantation down south here in the days of slavery gone by or you're chained to the plantation of the federal government, slavery is slavery. To work as hard as you do and give up as much of your property as you give up each and every year is a travesty. And they just want more and more and more. And when they can't tax your income, they'll tax your gasoline. And when they can't tax your gasoline, they'll tax your internet, your phone, your television. They'll put a sales tax. You know, they still are proposing a VAT tax, a value-added tax, as they have in Europe, which is a tax at every level of production. So regressive, right? They tax you on everything, and it's never enough. No matter how much of them of our property, our time they take, it's never enough. We have to begin to wrest that control back. We have to get control of it. And that means doing things that maybe a year ago, two years ago, would have seemed crazy. Right? And we're going to have a convention of the states. Now, the only thing I'm going to say about this process is that this has happened before. Talk has gotten before about this. They've gotten close a couple times, and every time they do, surprisingly, those people in power suddenly see the light, and they want to then say, hey, 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 we'll make you some promises. We'll change this. We'll change that. Well, all I can say is we're not going to buy it this time. We're not going to buy it this time. The process must go through. Milton Friedman was on board with it. Dwight Eisenhower was on board with it. Ronald Reagan, hardly what you call leftists, right? Code Pink members, as well as I said, people like, oh, I don't know, George Mason, right? We, you know, two years ago, three years ago, I never would have thought this would be the process necessary. But I think the corruption, the cronyism has gotten so bad that this is the only solution that we have left. If you have a better solution, if you have something else that will work, please, please let me know. Please do. You know, I really don't know what else there is on the table if we don't do this and do it now. That's right. Here on the Conservative Watchtower Primetime Edition, for all of those who are joining us in the archive, we thank you. I see that the Red Fox, the, yes, she's the infidel your imam warned you about. She has popped up in our little chat room. She has a fine, fine program attacking Islam on all accounts, and damn well it should be. Yet another threat to our freedom, the radical Hitlers and headscarves that run around burning people alive, kidnapping little girls, chopping people's heads off, Right, all those folks in the so-called religion of peace. <laughs> but just remember, as a Christian, you're just as bad. Don't ever forget that, right? Don't ever, ever forget that. We have threats around the world, and we have a guy who's the president, I think he's the president, who just goes out to California to give a speech so he can play some golf, 
maybe hit up Hollywood for a few donations. Meanwhile, he's trying to give Iran all the nukes they could possibly ever want. You got John Kerry around the world like he's a uh, a damn concert promoter, right? Dragging washed up musicians with him everywhere. This is what we're left with, okay? We we need serious attention to these problems. I actually feel sorry for the next person that's going to be president of the United States with the problems that they truly are going to have when they enter office, what they're going to face around the globe, the geopolitical threats, our own inability to effectively fight those effects because of our own economic situation and the fact that our military is being hollowed out. I've got some Democrat here. I don't know her name and I don't care. We'll just call her the Democrat pig from California. Can I call her that? Yeah, I think I can. It's my program. She's proposing that her colleagues get some guts and start cutting some military benefits, damn it. Just damn you. About time we stuck it to those people in the military. My God, they need to get their line, right? Just stick it to them, right? I mean, what do they really do anyway for all that money we pay them? Huh? I mean, come on. Cut their benefits, certainly. Meanwhile, if you're an illegal immigrant, yeah, I said illegal immigrant, illegal alien, whichever you prefer, if you walk across the border, here's the, in, in, the earned income tax credit. Thank you very much. Here's your medical care. Thank you very much. If you're in the 101st Airborne and you've been, you know, uh, I don't know, deployed to Afghanistan three or four freaking times, uh, not so much for you. Now, got to have priorities from the Democrat pig from California. Never served a damn day in her life. Never knew anybody who did serve a damn day in her life because she's too busy bad-mouthing her own country to worry about such things. Right? Now, no serious-minded person is going to say, is going to say that we can't find places within the Department of Defense to cut. I mean, I don't think we need 750,000 civilian workers working for the, D, uh, for the DOD. Cut that back a bit. Do you believe we could? But to just simply, every time there's a problem, every time there's a financial problem and you come to the left, what can we stick the military with, right? What can we stick them with? What can we take away from them? You know, all those sociopaths. That's how they think of them, right? Going around killing women and children and all. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, something tells me (laughs) that Barack Obama, the father of ISIS, because if he did have a son, it would look like those Hitlers in the headscarves that I see setting people on fire. You know, because of what he has wrought in the Middle East, something tells me at some time in the near future, we're probably going to have to go back over there and clean that freaking mess up. Won't that be just wonderful? And this new authorization that he's put on the table, may I rant for another second, telling people what we will and will not do, and here's our time frame. What the? Hello? Excuse me, but when do we put that out? When do you tell people this is what we will and will not do here? You're the enemy, uh, and I will do this, but we won't do this, and it's only for this limited time. So here it is. Here's our rules, and uh, this is exactly how we're going to fight, where we're going to go, and how long we're going to be there. Sound like a sound strategy? Hmm? Jackass. Right? We got threats around the world, but mostly... Mostly it comes in the form of Islamo-Nazi nutjobs, right, who are, you know, as I said, you know, they're kidnapping little Christian girls in Africa, they're burning people alive. Is it life grant? 
Now, these morons tell you exactly what they want to do, exactly what they're intent on doing, and somehow, just like back in the 30s, we don't quite believe them. You know, what's it going to take? Does it take another attack on our home soil to get people to wake up? Is that what it's going to take? I mean, they pretty much lay it out for you. Right? I think they do. Yes, they do. Ah, oh, my God. It's just the way it goes, ladies and gentlemen. When you have a bunch of morons, a bunch of little red diaper babies who now infest every area of the administration. When you've got the Valerie Jarrett there with her little with her little Iranian background and her copy of Rules for Radicals tucked under her other arm, just waiting, okay, just waiting to take another swipe at her own country because they can't stand their own nation freedom as well, and they must be dealt with. They must be dealt with. They've got to be removed from power. Right? They've got to be removed from the apparatus of power. Such a mess to be cleaned up. And I don't think one presidency is going to do that. I don't think, I don't think one particular administration is going to be able to clean all of this up. We've got a specific problem within our military of how it's been how it's been hollowed out, caved in. A lot of our weapon systems, a lot of the things that we're going to need have been defunded, have been put on the back burner, have been slowed down. Our forces have been reduced to startling levels. And of course, at the same time, we'll cut their pay and their benefits and their health care so that once again, we have money to spend on, I don't know, free community college education or daycare. Because that's what's really important in a free society, I must say. I must. I must. <laughs> yeah. If you don't believe you're seeing the decay of a great nation, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to help you then. Really, really don't. As we come down to the last 19 minutes of the program, as I see on the old clock here in the Blog Talk Radio studio, I'm going to start winding this bad boy down on a Monday night. I always like the time that we're able to spend when I do have an opportunity. I know this show went up kind of fast, but that's the kind of way it's going to be with me from now on. I don't think there's going to be lots of tons of advance notice and promotion for these programs. I really, really don't. But uh, we do the best we can. As I said, we have we have lots of bills to pay like all of you do. We've got to put our financial uh, things in order. We have lots of things we need to get done. We actually work for a living in this household. So sometimes it, these shows don't come as regularly as I would like. I know there was a time when I was on all the time. It was a lot of fun. I do enjoy the opportunity to speak to you guys, though. I really, really do. And I know I don't get to do that as much. I know Andy complains because I never show up anywhere. Uh, but uh, I do make an effort uh, to do that. I know that I need to be more involved in some of these activities. It's just hard sometimes. My schedule is willy-nilly. I do work night turn. So that also plays into it as well. Sometimes you work a 12-hour night and come home and just, uh, well, you collapse, really, at my age. And, of course, I drink a lot, too. That doesn't help, as you know. Yeah, doesn't help. So uh, there you are, Liz. It's always fun. It's always a a joy to speak to everybody. And uh, I try to keep up with the programs. Uh, For all you folks, I, I don't get to shows live much anymore, but I do listen. 
I am lurking out there somewhere listening. Like to take it all in. Like to mention, of course, my good friend RZ, a reactionaries radio program. I now hear he is now gonna merge over, I believe, with the good people over here at the halls of Bahala. And uh gonna put that stuff together. That should be good. Uh of course we know Kel. We know Kel, the Red Fox, we know her. We know her because she has taken on Islam. She's a little she's a little feisty, Kel. You know Southern Sense, otherwise known as Annie, who uh fighting the good fight down here in Buford County, South Carolina, down here in the Low Country. We know her. We know Stephen Vandergast is out there lurking somewhere, and he is moving the middle. He's doing his best to do that and educating people if he can when he's not busy working, taking care of his two kids and doing all that kind of stuff that he does. You know, he's out there somewhere listening. No G-Ski Rocks pops up every once in a while when he's not busy with the bacon and the crack of lack and whatever the hell else he does. I know that Brian, good old Smokey, and our good friend Ron, the golf dog's putting on shows. Love that stuff. Yes, they do. And uh, we, we really do enjoy all that they have to offer. I want to thank everybody for doing that. I am going to kind of get out of here by doing a few things. I am going to play a little piece from the great miniseries John Adams talking about freedom and liberty in the country. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to play a little song, and we'll play the intro and the ending. And, and uh, once again, thank you for coming out. Thank you for allowing me to rant and rave like a lunatic. It's always helpful, by the way, to do that. It's a cathartic experience, and I enjoy it. It's cheaper than therapy, that I can tell you. And we do enjoy it. I don't know when the next show is going to be, but I will get back to the airwaves as soon as I possibly can. You can always feel free to drop me messages if you would like to do so. It's just my entire name, Dana Smearman at Yahoo.com. That is the dreaded email. You can drop me messages there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on the Twitter, the Tweeter Twitter, and I'm all over the place, uh, annoying liberals on social media. You can find me in all of those places as well. So I'm going to play a little John Adams on the way out. I'm going to hit you with a little uh, America by Ray Charles, and then we're going to wrap the show on up, as they say, put a big fat bow on this edition of the Conservative Watchtower. And once again, we do apologize for those technical problems at the beginning of the show. One of these days, we're going to find a platform that actually works and works the way we want it to work, and we don't have to have all of these technical problems. That is what I hope for some day. Okay? Someday. I mean, I hope for that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a blast. Thank you for showing up tonight. And uh, as I said, we will be back again sometime. Don't forget, tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, Annie Southern Sands, she's going to be talking Article 5 Convention with some folks from the Tea Party Express. So join her tomorrow. You can find her at Southern Sense, and she's all over the web as well on different platforms that she's broadcasting on as well, so don't forget to go over there and uh, listen to that. It's very, very important, and get educated on this process of Article 5. You know, get get educated on it. You know, you make up your own mind what you think, but get educated because I do believe it is our last hope to get some things done. And uh, stand tall because this is still the greatest country on God's earth. And I thank you for tonight. We'll see you again real soon. We will.
President recognizes Mr. Adams of Massachusetts. Objects of the most stupendous magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them. But we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania has spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future. But where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic. And a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution. The most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves and their children. I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country. A free country.
And you'll love at least a while. And dying in your bed many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? <laughs>